You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of a series called Rooted in Christ by Pastor Daniel White. Now let's prepare our hearts as Pastor White brings forth God's truth from his word today. Isaiah chapter 61, let's return to where we were last week. The Lord continues to direct. We'll be here for a couple more weeks in Isaiah's prophecy. We entitled the message last week, Jesus, the Healer of Broken Hearts. Now this morning, I've entitled the message, God's Exchange Program. Isaiah chapter 61, follow along as I read verse 1 through verse 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is a reference to the coming Messiah. Because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prisons to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give unto them beauty for ashes, God's exchange program. Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Now let's take our Bibles and turn into the New Testament in Luke chapter 4 and find the fulfillment of that prophecy in the person of our Lord and Savior. Luke chapter 4. I'll begin reading with verse 16. And he, the Lord Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. That portion that we just read. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance unto the captives, and the recovering of sight to them that are blind to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of our Lord. And he closed the book and gave it again to the minister and sat down. And all the eyes of them that were in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began to say unto them, This day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Seven hundred years after Isaiah gave that prophecy, it was fulfilled in the person of Christ. Verse 22, And all that bear witness and wondered at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, Is not this Joseph's son? If you have a red letter addition to the Bible, you will see that it then begins to be written in red, showing that it was the words of our Savior. Drop down to verse 24. And he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. The Lord Jesus realized they were not accepting this message 
that he was giving to them. Now drop down with me, if you would, to verse 28. And all, and all they in the synagogue, when they heard these things, that message preached, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him unto the brow of the hill wherein their city was built. Now watch this. That they might do what, church? Cast him down headlong. But it wasn't his time. But he passing through the midst of them went his way. I like to imagine how that may have happened as they were getting ready to push the Lord off of this cliff and all of a sudden they're just kind of all frozen in space and he just kind of walks through them and leaves. But the point is they rejected their Messiah. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would bless the preaching of your word today and as we see these individuals here, how they completely rejected the exchange program that you were offering them through your son, I pray that there would not be one soul here today that would reject the Savior. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we go back and just do a little bit of review of where we were last week, we saw that our Lord Jesus was this anointed one. He was the Messiah. He was the Christ. He is the one that all the Old Testaments pointed to as the Savior of the world. He said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. You may remember the woman at the well when Jesus was there and she came to the well to draw water and the Lord Jesus engages in a conversation with this woman. The woman saith unto him, I know that Messiah cometh. I know the promise. I know the Old Testament promises. I know Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he is come, he will tell us all things. Now listen, Jesus saith unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. I am that promised one. He is the Messiah. She got so excited about that. Remember how he went through, you know, and, and you've been married to five men and the man you're now with is not your husband. And, and Jesus shares the gospel. I've come to preach the gospel to the poor. He shares the gospel with her. She believes. She gets all excited about her new faith in the Messiah that she had just met. She runs back to town. And what does she do? She tells everyone, come and see this man that has told me everything that I've ever done. Truly, he is the Messiah. You may remember Andrew, Peter's brother. He first findeth his own brother, Simon Peter, and saith unto him, we have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted Christ. You also may remember Peter's great confession when Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, now you need to understand the setting here, okay? As they were coming into the coast, it's not like it was on the seashore. It actually was the outskirts of this town called Caesarea Philippi that, that Philip had made in honor to Caesar. Listen to me, it had seven pagan temples. The one right in the middle of all these pagan temples was this beautiful white marble temple that was made to the honor of Caesar himself. And, and, and here it was, down in the valley. Picture this. Jesus is with his disciples. It's kind of like this. You're in the valley, 
all right? There's this beautiful white marble temple. There's all these other major world religions represented by their temple. Jesus is here and he's speaking to his disciples and he says, who do men say that I am? And Peter steps up and he begins to say, some say you're this person and some say you're another person. But Jesus said, but who do you say that I am? Peter said, thou art the what? You are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. In the backdrop to all world religions, Jesus Christ is the one. And then, and then Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock, that statement that you just made, upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So throughout the scriptures we find that Jesus Christ is that one upon whom the Spirit of the Lord was. He is the gospel. But when we talk about the gospel, what are we talking about? We're talking about the Lord Jesus. Jesus saith unto them, I am the, I am the truth, and I am the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Christ is the gospel. For it is the power of God into salvation. I'm here to tell you today, it is the only way of salvation is in Jesus Christ. He is the anointed one. He is the gospel. He is the great physician. Amen? And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, oh no, horror, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he the Messiah, your Savior. How is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners unto repentance. Thank God that the church of Jesus Christ has always been a hospital for sinners where they can come and exchange their sin for the Savior. Jesus is also called the balm of Gilead. Jeremiah said the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people, I am hurt, I am black, I am in mourning. Astonishment has taken hold of me. I can't believe how quickly Israel has departed from the faith. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Yes, there was a balm in Gilead, and there was a physician there, but they did not reach out to him. Why then is not the health of my people recovered? Because they didn't reach out. They didn't accept the balm. And that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for slain of the daughter of my people. I'm here to tell you today, if you will turn to the Lord with all your heart, he will apply that balm to your soul. And he will heal you from all the sufferings that you are going through in your life. David said, he healeth the brokenhearted, and he bindeth up their wounds. Heal me, Jeremiah said. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for thou art my praise. So here we find the prophecy of Isaiah. We find it fulfilled in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. From Isaiah chapter 61 to Luke chapter 4, Jesus promises that he has come to set the captives free. Those who are all captive by their sin and the sorrow that sin brings with it, he has come to set them free. He will open and can open the eyes of those that are spiritually blind. 
He will free those who have been imprisoned by the addictive and destructive power of sin. He will heal those who have been bruised and have been hurt by the effects of sin. That is our great Savior, the Lord Jesus. That's why he came. That's why he is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. So again, listen to me, church. If you will surrender, submit, and turn to the Lord, if you will make him first place in your life, you know what he will do? He will turn everything around for you, and he will glorify himself in and through your life. He's got an exchange program. It's called Beauty for Ashes. Beauty for Ashes. So God is making you an offer today. Along with that offer comes a promise. Can you trust in the promises of God? Let God be true and every man be a liar. But let me say something to you here about this exchange program. What a deal. Right? He takes our ashes, and in place of our ashes, what does he give us? Beauty. By the way, ashes are not beautiful. They're gray, and they're ugly, and they're dirty. And he takes the ashes of our lives, and somehow, by his grace and by his mercy, he turns it into something beautiful. What an amazing God that we have. So if you bring him the ashes of your life today, he'll do something incredible with those ashes. He'll bring tremendous beauty out of it. That is God's exchange program. He will take your mourning and replace it with joy. He will take your heaviness and for that, he'll give you a garment of praise. Now, don't you think that's a pretty good deal on our part? Some of you here in the church, you're wheeler dealers. Doug Raby is a wheeler dealer. He's always telling me about the great deals that he's made, okay, where he comes out on top. I want to tell you something. This is the greatest deal in all the world. This exchange program that God offers to us. Now, let's stop and think about this exchange program, and let's Let's apply it to salvation. How long does it, does it take for that exchange to take place in salvation? It's that quick. Take your Bible with me and turn to Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 4. The exchange that takes place at salvation is immediate. We call it the doctrine of imputation. How many have ever heard that word? How many have never heard that word before? All right, more that haven't than have. The doctrine of imputation. What is that? Romans chapter 4, watch this exchange that takes place at salvation. What should we say then that Abraham, our father, is pertaining to the flesh that found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scriptures? Abraham believed God, and it was counted. The word counted is imputed. It was imputed or counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the what? Ungodly. His faith is counted for what? Righteous, what a deal. All of our ungodliness, when we place our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, all of that ungodliness, that nastiness, that ugliness, those, those dirty ashes, 
All of those are immediately exchanged for his righteousness. Verse 6, even as Abraham described the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth. The doctrine of imputation, God imputeth righteousness without works. How is God's righteousness imputed to our account? By faith, not by any works that we have done. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities, that, those ashes, that ugliness, that sin, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. So at the time of salvation, the greatest exchange that ever could take place has taken place. You know when that happened for me when I was five years old? All of my unrighteousness was exchanged for his righteousness when I placed my faith and trust in him as my Lord and Savior. What a great trade-off. How many of you were younger when you got saved? Can I see your hand? Okay. How many of you were, let's say, middle-aged when you got saved? Okay. Keep your hands up. A lot of you middle-aged, your salvations, you had a lot of ashes. I didn't have a whole lot of ashes other than stealing cookies from the cookie jar and stuff like that. But some of you that lived all those years without the Lord Jesus, you had a lot of ugly ashes in your life, didn't you? And you know what he did with your ugly ashes? The same thing he did with my ugly ashes. He brought his beauty out of it. Our unrighteousness exchanged for Christ's righteousness just like that. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, For he hath made him to be sin for us that knew no sin, that we might be made, imputation, that we might be made, justification, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Amazing. Ashes for beauty. Our old man, that old person that we used to be, before we trusted Christ our Savior, that old man was exchanged for a new man. We don't drag that old man around for the rest of our lives. Our old man was crucified with Christ, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That old person that I used to be was buried, and I was raised to walk in newness of life. What an exchange. The greatest exchange in all the world took place the moment you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? He's a new creature. What an exchange. He is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We're getting into some heavy doctrine here about salvation, but stay with me. In Romans chapter 5, it talks about two Adams. It talks about the first Adam that brought condemnation and death into this world. You think about Adam's sin there in the garden when Adam and Eve together decided that they were going to disobey God and they were going to eat of the forbidden fruit. The consequences of that were horrific. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death, death, by sin, the wages of sin is death. That's not what God ever intended it to be when he created man and woman and put them in this beautiful, perfect garden. But they sinned. They disobeyed God. And the Bible said, Now death has passed upon all men. For all have sinned. I'm going to tell you here today, that is bad news. Bad, bad, bad. That is ashes. 
But then in verse 17 through verse 20, it says this, For if by one man's offense, Adam's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which have received abundance of grace. What incredible grace the Lord has given to us. For by grace are ye saved through faith which received abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness in life. This first Adam brought death. This second Adam or the last Adam brought life by one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as by the offense of one Adam, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the second Adam, the free gift came unto all men unto justification. Praise God that God is willing to exchange every single person's ashes for his righteousness. All men unto justification. Listen, there's, there, is, there is not a person here that's outside of the grace of God. He is willing to make the exchange for anyone and everyone who will come to him unto all men, unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, by the obedience of one, Christ, many shall be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense may abound, but where sin abounded, say it with me, grace did much more abound. Wonderful grace of Jesus. What an exchange. All of our unrighteousness for his righteousness simply by putting our faith and trust in him alone as our Savior. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 22 says this, listen, for as in Adam all, can you finish it? For as in Adam all die, even so in the, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. Verse 45 and so it is written, the first Adam was made a living soul. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. You have, you have he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Can I say it again? What a great exchange that took place at the time of salvation. All of this was accomplished in the very moment that you put your faith in the Lord Jesus and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, because I have none, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the, the righteous, the right, listen, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Not by any works that I've done, but by faith. But let me say this. After that great exchange that took place in salvation, where all my unrighteousness was replaced by his righteousness. After salvation, great exchanges continue to be made in my life as being one of the children of God. As we, throughout our Christian experience, we continue to surrender, we continue to submit, we continue to allow the Holy Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ, this is what's called sanctification. 
Justification is that exchange of all of our ashes and all of our unrighteousness for his righteousness. But then after salvation, we have another doctrine, which is called the doctrine of sanctification. What is that? It's setting, it's setting ourselves apart from sin unto the Savior. That's what that's all about. Romans chapter 8, we don't have time to go through there. But listen, as we live our Christian life, there's a lot of things that turn to ashes. We don't always do right. We don't always live right. We don't always act right. And a lot of ashes come as a result of that. But if you will turn that all over to the Lord by living a surrendered and yielded life, he will take your ashes and continue to turn them into beauty. He will take your mourning and turn it into joy. He'll take your heaviness and give you a garment of praise. You know what that's called? It's called a life's message. I can go back in my life and, and look at when I was five and how my ashes were taken away and I was cleansed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but then I can take that and I can trace that through my life as the Spirit of God continued to do a work of sanctification in me that is making me more like the Lord Jesus, conforming me more into the image of Christ causing me to see the ashes of my life and then exchange them for his beauty. I hope that I am more beautiful today as a Christian than I was the day I got saved. Have you noticed that? That those who walk with the Lord over a period of time stay close to him, stay yielded to him, seek to live a sanctified life, they just seek more and more beautiful? You know why they get more and more beautiful? Because they continue to exchange their ashes for his beauty. You know what I call this? I call this a great offer of mercy. The world doesn't have it, but we do have it. And remember this, that we have a person to go to and we have a place to go when our lives get all dirtied up. How many here have ever cleaned out a fireplace? How many here have ever raked out a fire pit? When you're doing that, the ashes just kind of go everywhere, don't they? It's pretty, pretty difficult to clean out a fireplace or to clean out a fire pit without getting ashes on you. It's pretty hard to live in this pity world. And all the ashes that are in this world without picking some of those up. But when we pick them up and we find ourselves dirtied, the Bible said, let us come boldly under the throne of what? That we may obtain, say it, what? Mercy. mercy. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And you know what the time of need is? It's when we get all dirtied up. And we just need a little bit more cleansing to take place in our lives. So many times I go to the book of Psalms. It's, the Psalms are amazing. But listen to how David ran to the mercy seat. When he got dirtied up with the ashes of this world, he knew who to go to and where to go. And just listen as I read. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. How many here have ever been in trouble? 
A lot of that trouble we bring upon ourselves. A lot of it is just because we live in an old, troubled, sinful world that's full of dirty ashes. He said, have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eye is consumed with grief. I choked up a little bit when I told you this morning about my grandson, you know, and possibility of having brain damage. You get choked up. A lot of things in this life that choke us up. Yea, my soul and my belly, for my life is spent with grief and my years with sighing. We were headed down to see the Creation Museum and the Ark on uh, Wednesday, and did we get in a snowstorm? We were coming through Cincinnati at rush hour with a snowstorm. I was going down I-75 at four to five miles an hour. There were semis that on the hills, they were stuck in the middle of the road. They were just spinning and couldn't go anywhere. And you know what I did? I sighed. And my wife says, what are you sighing for? There's a lot of things in life that make us A lot of grief, a lot of sign. David said, my strength faileth because of my iniquities. And my bones are consumed. I was a reproach among my enemies, but especially among my neighbors. Even my neighbors didn't like me. And a fear to my acquaintances. And they that did see me fled from me. You're just forsaken. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind and like a broken vessel. Throw it away. For I have heard the slander of many. Fear was on every side while they took counsel together against me and devised to take away even my life from me. I'm going to tell you something. That's a man in trouble. That's a man who is wallowing in ashes. But... Aren't you thankful for the buts of Scripture? But I trusted in thee, O Lord. I said, Thou art my God. My times are in thy hand. Deliver me from the hand of my enemies and from them that persecute me. Make thy face to shine upon thy servant. Save me, here we go, save me for thy mercy's sake. That's why I'm telling you this offer of exchange is an offer of mercy. To each and every one of us. Oh, how great is thy goodness which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide me in thy secret presence. Secret presence. Thou shalt keep me uh, secretly in thy pavilion. Blessed be the Lord, for he hath showed me marvelous kindness, mercy. For I said in my haste, I am cut off from before my eyes. Nevertheless, thou heardest the voice of my supplication when I cried unto thee. Oh, love the Lord, all ye his saints. He's talking to us, right? Take my life as an example of a life that was filled with ashes. And, and look and see that when I turned to the Lord, he brought beauty out of those ashes. 
How many are old enough to remember Mount St. Helens? Let me remember that, okay? What an explosion that was. For miles upon miles upon miles and upon miles, Mount St. Helens scattered what? Ash into the atmosphere. And that ash floated down. I remember looking at that. I mean, it was devastation. But a few years later, I mean, just a few years later, what was it? Beautiful. Isn't God an amazing God? That we look at our lives like David did here and see nothing but ashes everywhere, but when we trust in the Lord, we turn it over to Him. He does an amazing things and He brings all this glory and beauty out of it. Oh, love the Lord, all ye His saints, for the Lord preserveth the faithful. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart, all ye that hope in the Lord. Listen, don't ever quit hoping. If you see all these ashes in your life, hang on. Amen? Salvation happens in a moment, but some of the ashes in our lives take a little bit more time for beauty to come from them. Just hang on. Hang on. Our God is full of tender mercies. Tender mercies. I had never taken a time to just stop and pause and study about the tender mercies of the Lord. So I thought I would do that. So here we go. Remember, O Lord, thy tender mercies and thy loving kindness, for they have been ever of old. Withhold not thou thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercy. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn me, turn me, excuse me, turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercy, who redeemeth thy life from destruction and crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies. Let the tender mercies come upon me. Great are thy tender mercies. The Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all of his works. I mean, over and over and over and over and over again, the tender mercies. So I thought, okay, what does that mean? What do these tender mercies that are all over, what does it mean? The word tender means this, to show gentleness. Concern or sympathy. To be tender-hearted, to be kind, to be sympathetic, caring, compassionate, benevolent. Is, that, is not that our God? When we're all filthy with these ashes, he has tender mercies. What about mercy? You know the verse. It is of the Lord's mercy that we are not consumed. For his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Throughout Scripture, mercy is extended as an offer of salvation, but it's also extended as an offer of healing and comfort during the trials and sufferings of our lives. 330 times the Bible speaks about the mercies of our God. Aren't you thankful he's merciful to us? When our lives are all filthy and dirty and sooted up from head to toe, praise God that he will take the ashes of our lives. If you'll go to him, he'll bring beauty out of those ashes. You know, what is the difference between grace and mercy? 
I remember when I was younger wondering that because the Bible talks about both of them so much. I liked what one man said. He said, he said, grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Amen? What do we... Filthy, dirty lives. Do we really deserve his grace? And then he said this, mercy is withholding from us what we do deserve. Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God holding back what we do deserve. And what we all deserve is judgment for our sin. But his mercies are new every morning. There's so many songs. I, lo I love the songs and how they relate to Scripture. Not too many of the newer songs do. Some of them do. But I'll tell you what, all the old hymns of the faith relate from the Scriptures. There shall be showers of blessing. There shall be showers of blessing. This is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing sent from the Savior above. There shall be showers of blessing, precious reviving again over the hills and the valleys, sound of abundance of rain. There shall be showers of blessing. Send upon us, O Lord, grant to us now a refreshing. Come and thou honor thy word. There shall be showers of blessing, all that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing, now as on Jesus we call. And then the chorus, showers of blessing, showers of blessing we need. What's next? Mercy drops. Round us are falling, but for the showers we plead. I want to say something to you. When your life is all dirtied up, get under the mercy drops. And let those mercy drops turn those ashes into something beautiful in your life. I think also the song, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. Tune thine heart to sing thy praise. Streams of mercy never ceasing. Call for songs of loudest praise. So I have a question for you today. Do you need God to make an exchange for you? I do. Do you? Maybe it's that exchange that takes place in salvation. It could be the number of people that we have here today. It could be that there's someone here that has never exchanged their unrighteousness for his righteousness they cannot stand before God as justified just as though we've never sinned. And you need to by faith accept him as your Lord and Savior today. There may be some of you here today that you are a Christian. You have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, but you've allowed your life to get all dirtied up with ashes. And we could go into specifics about that, but I don't believe we need to. And girls, do I need to talk to you again? Last time, right? Don't need to tell you to pay attention anymore. You've been talking through most of the service today. But here's what I'll tell you. If you'll draw near to the Lord, what does he promise to do? He'll draw near to you. I don't care how dirty your lives have become. You draw near to the Lord, the Lord will draw near to you. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ upon all who believe. If you put your faith in Christ today, he'll wash all those ashes away and bring beauty into your life. 
If you're here today and that did happen, how, can, how many can remember the day they got saved? Can I see your hand? All right. Now, how many of you have dirtied up your lives a little bit since? Well, that's 100%. Yeah, you know what I've noticed about dirty lives? There's a lot of grief and sorrow that goes along with it. The Lord said, if you'll bring your ashes of your dirty life, if you'll bring it to me, I will cleanse you, I'll wash you, I will sanctify you, and I'll give you joy and peace. Beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Next, next week, we're going to really delve into that. I mean, we're really going to get into that beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, and, and what that all consists of. But remember this, God is full of tender mercy. Can you ever think of someone that the Lord has turned away? No matter how dirty their lives are? Whether it's in salvation or whether it's in sanctification? Wow. The love of God. Jim, you mentioned the verse this morning. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen could ever tell. It goes beyond what? the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Thank God for his love. Could we with ink the ocean fill, or were the skies a parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the ocean dry? Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. O oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forever more endure the saints and angels song I'm going to tell you we can draw tremendous comfort from knowing that our Savior he not only sees our affliction but he knows what to do with it I like that phrase them that mourn for those that mourn over the ashes that they've been wallowing in for those who will truly mourn you know mourning goes along with repentance doesn't it for those who will truly mourn over their sin, he said, I will give beauty for ashes. As I think about this verse, it does remind me that there's going to be a lot of mourning in our lives as long as we live in this world. You know, one of the great things, though, for the child of God he saves us. He involves himself in that process of sanctification that's keeping us clean, glorifying him throughout our lives. But listen to me. One day he's coming again. In power and great glory, he is coming again. And the Bible tells us that our Savior one day, that Messiah Christ, the one, of, the anointed one, the one who preached the gospel to the poor, healed the brokenhearted, set the captives free, the Bible says that one day he's going to set up his kingdom. And what a kingdom that's going to be. It's going to be a kingdom of righteousness. 
I'm so thankful that when we come to the Lord with all of this filth in our lives, as we come to him, he runs to us. Whosoever cometh unto me, I will in no wise, what? Yeah, he'll not reject a one of you here today. It says this in Isaiah chapter 53. I quote this almost every time we have the Lord's table. He was a man of sorrows, what? Acquainted with grief. And then it says this, Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. How many remember, this was years ago, this, uh, this poem came out, Footprints in the Sand. How many, how many know, know? It's become a very popular poem. Look at how many of you have heard the poem before. But the poem goes something like this. Here is this man walking along the seashore, and he was looking back over his life, and he was looking at the footprints in the sand, and as he was looking back over his life, he saw that there were two sets of footprints. And then all of a sudden, that would disappear and there would only be one. And then there would be two sets of footprints and then there would only be one set. And he looked back over his entire life and that was his entire life. Two sets, one set. Two sets, one set. And he looked to the Lord and he said, Lord, I understand this, that the two sets of footprints was when you were walking with me. But why did you leave me? Why did you forsake me during those periods of time where I walked alone? And the response was, no, you weren't walking alone. It was then that I was carrying you. He has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, listen, ruined ashes, ruined sinners to reclaim, hallelujah, what a Savior, bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood, sealed my pardon with his blood, hallelujah, what a Savior, guilty, vile, helpless, full of ashes, guilty, vile, helpless, we, spotless Lamb of God was he, Full atonement, can it be? Hallelujah, what a Savior. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high, hallelujah, what a Savior. When he comes, our glorious King, all his ransom home to bring, then anew this song will sing, hallelujah, what a Savior. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. I'm so thankful that we have a Savior that we can go to that will comfort us as a, as a nursing mother comforts her crying child. We'll all face seasons of suffering. Jim, today you talked about a, a preacher whose his sermons are like flying a plane, but he doesn't know how to land. Some flights are longer than others. <laughs> a 
we all go through seasons of suffering, mourning. But Malachi 4.2, I mentioned this verse last week, Jesus comes with healing in his wings. Jesus said, I, I, would, I would have gathered you together as a chicken does her chicks. How many have ever seen that? That's a beautiful sight, isn't it? you got all these little chickens running around. and well, We see it over in the Philippines all the time. And You know, those little, those little chicks, they get scared and whoosh, they run underneath their mother's wings and they disappear. Jesus said, I would have done that. But he said, ye would not come to me. If you'll come to Christ, he'll cover you with his wings. Keep me as the apple of thine eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings. And he shall cover thee with his feathers. And under his wings shalt thou trust. The Lord recompense thy work and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel under whose wings thou art come to trust. Let me tell you something. When trouble comes into your life, run to Christ. Run to him. Under his wings, I am safely abiding. Though the night deepens and tempests are wild, still I can trust him. I know he will keep me. He has redeemed me and I am his child. Under his wings, what a refuge in sorrow. How the heart yearning turns to his rest. Often when earth has no balm for my healing, there I find comfort and there I am blessed. Under his wings, oh, what precious joy. They don't write songs like this anymore. Under his wings, oh, what precious enjoyment. There will I hide till life's trials are o'er. Sheltered, protected, no evil can harm me. Resting in Jesus, I'm safe evermore. Beauty for ashes. Under his wings, under his wings, who from his love can sever? Under his wings my soul shall abide, safely abide forever. I just wrote down a bunch of hymns. I need thee every hour. O gracious Lord, no tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee. Every hour I need thee. I must tell Jesus all of my what? Trials, I cannot bear these burdens alone. Tempted and tried, I need a great Savior, one who can help my burdens to bear. I must tell Jesus, I must tell Jesus, he all my cares and sorrows shall share. Sing through the hymnal. You know what it's all about? Beauty for ashes. Whether it's in salvation or whether it's in sanctification, beauty for ashes. So I just want to encourage some of you right now before we're done I'm winding everything up here. I'm getting ready to land. I know I've been to the Philippines and back today, but I'm getting ready to land. And maybe some of you here have said, boy, these ashes have gone on for a long time. Keep waiting. 
God has promised to bring something beautiful from your ashes. Amen, church? Quoted David a lot today, haven't I? He says, I waited patiently. I waited patiently. I waited patiently for the Lord, and he inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock, established my goings. Beauty for ashes. He had put a new song in my heart. Beauty for ashes. Even praise unto our God. Many shall see it, shall fear, and shall trust the Lord. Listen, God, God is working all things together for your good. He is. Suffering does sometimes last for a while. But God promises grace and he promises his tender mercies in our times of trouble. Praise God, he is the Prince of Peace. My peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Remember what I said to begin with? They don't have it, but we do. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. What's my favorite song? As well with my soul. Horatio Spatford was a very successful lawyer and businessman in Chicago who had a very loving family. His wife's name was Anna, and he had five children, four girls and one boy. However, they were not strangers to tear and tra tears and tragedy in their life. Their young son died of pneumonia in 1871. And the same year, much of his business was lost and destroyed in the great Chicago fire. Yet God in his mercy and kindness allowed his business to flourish once more. On November 21st, 1873, a French, a French ocean liner was crossing the Atlantic from the U.S. to Europe with 313 passengers aboard. Among the passengers were Mrs. Spatford and her four daughters. Although Mr. Spatford had planned to go with his family, he found it necessary to stay in Chicago to help solve some unexpected business problems. He told his wife that he would join her and the children in Europe a few days later. His plan was to take another ship. About four days after the crossing of the Atlantic, the ship carrying Spatford's wife and children collided with a powerful iron-hauled Scottish ship. Suddenly, all those on board were in grave danger. Anna hurriedly brought her four children to the deck. She knelt there with her children and prayed that God would spare them if that could be his will or to make them willing to endure whatever awaited them. Within approximately 12 minutes, the ship slipped beneath the dark waters of the Atlantic, carrying with it 226 passengers, including Spatford's four daughters. A sailor rowing a small boat over the spot where the ship went down spotted a woman Floating on a piece of wreckage. It was Anna. She was still alive. He pulled her into his small boat. 
and they were picked up by another larger vessel, which nine days later landed in Wales. From there, she wired her husband a message which began with these words, saved alone. What shall I do? Mr. Spadford later framed the telegram and placed it in his office. Another of the ship's survivors, Pastor Willis, later recalled Anna saying, God give me four daughters. God gave me four daughters. Now they have been taken from me. Someday I will understand. Mr. Spatford booked passage on the next available ship and left to join his grieving wife. With the ship about four days out, the captain called Spatford to his cabin and told him they were now over the place where his children perished. Spatford went back to his cabin and wrote the words of this song, It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows, ashes, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well. It is well with my soul. I'm here to tell you, God has brought tremendous beauty out of the ashes of Mr. Spatford's life. What a blessing this song has been to multitudes. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram where you can see what's happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.